and then I think we should just do a few like this is lucky to lead <laughs> that was so good okay uh, just drop your best one welcome to lucky to lead you're talking shit about me <laughs> <laughs> welcome this is to lucky, lucky to lead, lead. Okay, we are recording. So let's do it. Uh, first and foremost, what are we doing here? That's the age-old question. What are we doing here, man? Uh, we're in quarantine. That's what we're doing. Quarantine 101. Start a podcast. Then what? I think it's a smart thing. Yeah, genius. Yeah. This would have happened quarantined or not, so... It's yeah, just, Lord knows my wife and my son don't want to hear this, so at least I have someone to talk to. Yeah, I made my wife go on a car ride with the dogs. <laughs> I like it. That's the only uh that's the only thing I'll ever start a sentence by saying I made my wife. And then that's all I got. And my guy's my little guy's down and my wife's watching uh some bachelor spin-off show. So thank you for this. I mean, I'm just doing God's work. all right so we've been we've been kicking around this idea for the better part of six months and we're finally doing it uh and we've kicked around some names so um you can't have a podcast without a name correct and i think we that's like being on a team without like a a jersey strange we're just out here with pennies numberless Uh, okay, so what is um, what are we going with for a name? Are we going well, with we have two options? We go with uh, leadership and lattes. Okay. Or do we go with lucky to lead? Um, I'm gonna go. I feel like the the coffee latte and is a little overused currently, even though I like it. Um, so I, I like the lucky to lead. I think that lead that leads into some potential good conversation about, um, you know, being lucky to be in the position that we are in and considering uh, the, the state of the, the country currently. Um, you know, I think we were on a phone conversation earlier today about how we, you know, chatted about, you know, we feel pretty lucky to be in the positions that we are where, thank God, we don't have to worry too much about um, the positions and, you know, paying the bills and all those types of things. So, um, you know, I think lucky to lead is uh, is very apropos to yeah. what's going on. I think that's, that's how you come down to it. That's how decisions are made. We just made a decision in the first five minutes of the podcast history. I like it. Done. Lucky to lead. Uh, Amanda will be very happy. That was um, that was her brainchild. Lucky to lead. Really? Yeah. Just the real head coach around here. I mean, there is only one head coach in this house, so we'll we'll let that we'll let that sit and not touch that for a while. Yep. <laughs> All right. So why? Uh, so we knew from the beginning we were going to do a leadership podcast. Um, so I will kick the question to you to start her off. Um, like why, why a leadership podcast? Um, you know, I think 
it's uh, not to say it's needed, right? There's got to be zillions out there and why it's so important. And I think you can pick up something from anyone you really listen to. Um, but I think we're in a unique position where um, it's our leadership philosophy uh, and leadership thoughts, I think, um, we're on the ground level, so to speak, of uh, influencing, you know, 14 to 18 year old young men that are trying to figure it out with, with issues. God's work. Yes. Um, and I think it's unique. Perhaps our perspective can help others and, um, perhaps, you know, some other coaches or, or teachers or mentors can take and listen to what we have to say and blab on and, and maybe they take one or two things away from it. And, you know, perhaps they can, you know, put it in their tool belt to deal with a kid or deal with a situation that, you know, they're, they may need some help on. I, I know I certainly do all the time. And, um, but I think it's, we're in a unique spot. I think we're lucky and privileged to be in the position that we are in. Um, but at the same time, I think there, there's a lot to be learned um, both from from us and, and, and about us and, and, and from others that potentially could be on the show as well. So that, that's how I see it. Yeah. I, I think that last part is the exciting part for me, which is um, number one, I think me and you, although we, we agree on so many things, especially leadership wise, I think we're, we're cut from the same cloth, but very, like very different like experiences. So to me, that's the sick part, right? Is like, we, we have two different paths that led us to very similar concepts, right? Um, and I am uh, a self-proclaimed, like, student of leadership. Um, and for the, like, bookshelf full of leadership books and all the things that I have, which uh, just, like, make me happy, I, I will tell you that, Um they're all very, very fucking similar, right? Like, they're not that different. Everyone, it's like, be a good human being, right? Like, to me, I yeah. feel like that's the foundation of, of everything. Um, but I am excited to hear from, from different perspectives um, and, and hopefully have my mind changed a few times. And that is, like, for me, the whole reason for starting this is I can only read so many books um, very slowly. So i rather uh, hear from people. <laughs> Well, I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, you come from a very different background than I do. I think we had two very different childhoods, two very different upbringings, two very different kind of paths to where we are. Um, but yet at the same time, our values and our beliefs are so similar. And and still, there's some some differences and probably some differences I don't even know about, but... I think that's unique and, and perhaps that's a perspective that, you know, our, our few listeners currently maybe uh, could, could learn from that you can bring together two different people that um, have such a different path, uh, but yet come to the same, I don't want to say it's a conclusion because that would end it, right? But yeah. it's a meeting point. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's something that I think we should delve into, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to think through that, especially because to your point of there is no end, I feel like this is going to be like evolution after evolution after evolution, right? Like 
I, I tr- like I'm, I'm really looking forward to having my mind changed, especially because I think, especially because I am very hard headed and I feel like I know my opinions and what they are. Um, but I'm pumped about that. So without any further ado, um, I want to jump in like into, I mean, we kind of gave it away a little bit around like, you know, we do have very different stories. So if you could pinpoint um, in your, and I don't want to give our entire stories away today, but I think it'd be Mm -hmm. awesome if you could pinpoint like one leader from your life that for you is like, this is why I want to be a leader. Um. I think one of the, the, the guys that I go back to um, was Joe Ehrman. Um, he uh, <clears throat> is now one of the uh, foremost human beings on um, development of young men through athletics um, and, and a big proponent of, um, you know, he, when, when the NFL went through all those issues with the, um, abuse and sexual assaults and all those, all those types of things. He was on the kind of the team that, that met that head on. He's written a couple books. He, um, and I was fortunate to have him as a, as a high school football coach. And I think for me, um, what drew me to him was just the way that he invested in his players. And the standard was very high, but it wasn't so much the standard as a football player, but just as a young person and a young man. Um, And I think one of the unique things that we talked about, and it's in several books um, that he's written and been a part of, um, one of which is A Season of Life, uh, which is by Jeffrey Marks, which I can't, um, can't just highlight and emphasize enough that everybody should read, whether you're a parent, a coach, a leader, whatever you are. Um, It's a great, great book, really easy to read. Um, But uh, as a, and when they talked to us, um, they would, they described what it was um, to be like a man. Um, And, and their definition was the ability to be loved and to give love. Um, and I think for young men to a talk about love at between 14 and 18 is difficult. And then B to, to, to understatement of the century. (laughs) Yeah. And then to have a group of young men in football pads talking about love, um, was, uh, looking back on it now was a pretty unique experience. And I think that really shaped, um, kind of my philosophy and, and how I do business and how I approach it. And I think I approach it even more with him in mind now as a dad um, than anything else, because of um, I, I now put myself in, in those shoes, right. Of I think, um, you know, I forget the guy that we had uh, at school who we went to dinner with and spoke, um, you know, uh, his dad mentioned, you know, our, our job as a parent is to, uh, love your kid when they're being unlovable. Um, and I think I take that approach to, uh, my coaching, um, you know, to try to love them even when they're being unlovable and they throw the ball out of bounds or they forget after a timeout what the play was. And, and they just you know, suck. Yeah. So I think, uh, and then the last part to, to 
Coach Ehrman that instilled in me was the transformational aspect. He talks a lot about it being transactional and transformational. And I think that always resonated with me um, that to be a transformational coach rather than a transactional coach. And the transactional piece is like you're just trying to get something out of them to get what you want, which is winning, right? Of course. Where the transformational piece is more of investing and loving and caring and teaching. And then the byproduct of that is winning. Um, and the winning kind of take care of, takes care of itself. So I think, you know, long roundabout story, I think that would be one. You know, I've had many, um, but one of the, the guys that really sticks out in my mind that really shaped who I am. That's awesome. Do you still remember like being in football pads and like having that conversation? Oh yeah. Yeah. We would, um, excuse me. We would, uh, he would like tell us, he would say, what's your job? Um, and we would all in unison say to love each other. And then he would say, what's our job? And then we'd all say in unison to love us. And that was in a huddle with football pads on. And we were really good on top of that. I think that was the puzzle, right? That was my next question is like, you got to be really freaking good, huh? Yeah, we were really good. I mean, we had, you know, two guys uh, that started at a, as freshmen at Notre Dame, one of which went on to be a second-round pick in the NFL. So, yeah, we were really good. Um, and I think that helped for sure. Um, but I think, again, I don't, I don't remember a lot of those games, right? But I remember that. So I think that uh, is, is, is significant in the fact and, and how I think we go about it in, in, in describing, you're not going to win. You're not going to remember the wins. You're not going to remember the losses, but you're going to remember those moments, uh, whether it's a chuckle, a tough time, a great time, a hotel room, a bus ride. Um, and I think that's why high school athletics in particular are so important. Yeah, man. That's, uh, that's awesome. I mean, as much as I know about your, your like life experiences, it's, it says a lot that you went back to that high school coach. Yeah. I think you probably you know, had some, you probably had some opportunities to be around some pretty legit people. Yeah. I mean, and, and those guys, certainly, I don't want to diminish, diminish their, their role in my, in my style and leadership and how I, you know, coach me, coach Tillman. Uh, well, yeah. I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's saying anything about them. I think it just speaks volumes about, your high school football coach, right? Yeah, and, um, I, you know, I, I don't think there's a better vehicle uh, to learn about yourself than football is, to be honest. And I'm a lacrosse coach, and you're a lacrosse coach, but I, I do think that football puts you in a, in a, in a, in a tough position as a young guy to, to kind of either you're going to be on your butt or you're going to fight and get up and try to do it. I think maybe wrestling might be the only other, you know, avenue of, or vehicle to, to learn about you yourself like that. I mean, there's obviously difficult aspects to each sport and there's moments where they're difficult, but I think for, for the most bang for your buck, I would say football and wrestling are probably um, leaders in that, in that regard of um, testing yourself um, with, with, with minimal consequence aside from a little pain. Um, <laughs> yeah. So sometimes, uh, sometimes more than a little bit. Yeah, so exactly. Um, so I think, you know, that for me 
looking back on it. And again, I think more as a parent now uh, that resonates with me so much. And um, uh, I think about it often, to be honest with you. I, I'm, you know, I'm just finished up grad school right now and um, I got to go back and my, 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 one of my last papers that's due, this is my last semester and, um, in my uh, ethics of coaching is writing a 500 word coaching philosophy of what your coaching philosophy is. And I have to use, get a couple sources and like three out of five of my sources are from a Joe Ehrman book. And it was easy that way. Right? Pretty I'm trying to make easy <laughs> That's pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, that, that makes it easy, but I also lived it. Um, and um, I've heard him, I've gone to hear him speak and, um, you know, he's a pretty special individual. And I think that just, um, I'll always treasure those times that I have with him. And I look back and say, you know, um, I, 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 I couldn't have traded that for anything. And I, I wasn't very good football player on, on top of that. So, um, <laughs> That's awesome. Is it like, do you go to see him speak and then he's like big time now? So he's like Dave. Uh, the last time I went to go see him speak, we, it was actually my buddy, John Bursner, who's the head coach at BMI, um, we were in Newport when we were coaching the Naval Academy Prep School, and he was speaking. Um, I think it was in either Connecticut or it wasn't that; it was maybe an hour drive from where we were living, and we both went. And um, I saw him beforehand. He saw me come in. He gave me a big hug. Awesome. You know, knew exactly who I was, and then he actually called on me. I mean, it was probably a, a, gym, a gymnasium about a thousand people, and he called on me to be like, hey, I have a, one of my players sitting right here. And he exactly. asked me some question, kind of put me on the spot, pretty pretty legit. But um, uh, that was the last time I went to go see him speak. But, you know, if you YouTube him, if you go, you know, um, he's uh, he's part of the Inside Out Initiative, um, which uh, if you Google it or you go on their Twitter, um, it just they, they educate a lot of athletic directors, a lot of coaches throughout the country on um, kind of the education of the trans being a transformational coach and what that means. Um, and I think, you know, um, I think we're doing a pretty good job of that, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of that comes from him. So. Um, yeah. That's awesome. What a legit, uh, what a legit story. Good. good story. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's, it's unique to think back on those little moments that um, you don't realize shape you, but they really do. Right. And um, I think that's something that I reflect more on now than I ever did um, because I'm seeing the, um, the fruits almost, which is a poor choice of words, um, but the, the, the advantages of doing it the way that we do it, as opposed to focusing so much on winning or just bringing in kids and getting the most we can athletically out of them without investing in them as a human being. And I feel like as, as I've learned more and more now, granted the stakes aren't as high, right. I thought a little bit differently when I was in college, maybe um, as a coach in college. But um, I think, I I don't know if I'd ever go back to the other way of doing it. Um, Even if I did get another college job down the line, I don't think I would do it any other way. So. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, like, I feel like uh, that's the true test, right. Is like the stakes get higher you don't not do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Like I think the stakes get higher. Fucking matters even more now. Right. Yeah, certainly. I think, um, 
you know, and I think that makes the fun part of coaching is that investment in the kid. Um, I think, and that starts in the recruitment process or in, in when you first initially meet them as a sixth grader, or seventh grader, or eighth grader, whatever it is, or whenever you meet them, whether they're at your school or you're trying to get them to come to your school, whatever that looks like. Um, I think investing in that kid and, and, and seeing that growth and development and, um, you know, that's why this year is so difficult with the cancellation is that, you know, that was four years of, of, of our blood, sweat and tears into those kids and, and, and vice versa. Um, and I, you know, I certainly want to acknowledge that in that regard of, of they, as much as we put in, they put in a whole hell of a lot too. Um, so I think that's what makes it difficult to, to, you know, think about closing the chapter on, on this season so early. But then again, there is some solace in that. Like we did, we got some great kids yeah, and man. we've done some really good, you know, work and we've developed these kids and we've invested in them and they're, they're, they're poised to go out and be great individuals. Um, and I'm, I can sleep well at night because of that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to think that, um, it feels as much like this would have been our graduation as it is theirs. Yeah, I know. Right? Like they've, they've carried our, our sorry asses for four years and allowed us to do the things that we do. And they're so bought into it now that, you know, I feel like um, although they're sad just to not have some of the things that come with senior year, I feel like the lacrosse piece is, I think is the hardest piece for them. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, um, you know, I like to hear. I think there was one comment from a boy on our team when we, uh, on our last uh, Zoom call with them uh, from last week, that uh, you know we're we're considered kind of a cult on campus. Yeah, I was like, we, that's how you know you've made it as a, as a as a negative. And I was like, why is that a negative? That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like we've made it. Yeah, I know exactly, yeah. exactly. So I thought that you know the the response and the. Um, I, and you know the relationships is what I'm gonna. I'm. I, I frankly, I I will not miss as much being on the field with those guys because I did feel a lot of pressure in not letting them down. Right? I thought that was huge. Right? Because we've made it to this moment, we've invested, and I don't want to screw it up. Right? And as a coach, that's basically all you can do at that point is screw it up. Yeah. Um, don't end the game with timeouts. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. So I think that. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to miss the relationships that we've built with those kids of the, the little, you know, smart ass comments that they had for me or <laughs> the smart ass comments of them coming off the field. Um, uh, that's what I'm probably going to miss the most because of the bond and trust and love that we have for one another. Um, so that's going to be tough. What about you? I haven't, I'm, I'm yapping away. Who's, who's your one guy that you go back to that, you know, uh, would shape kind of who you are as a leader now and you kind of look back to? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew this question was coming. Um, however, I'm still rattled about the answer. Um, <laughs> no, but you meant, you did mention wrestling. I, I, it's my wrestling coach. I think his name keeps popping up in my head. Um, Brian Tompkins, uh, otherwise known as Tompkins in, uh, in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Um yeah, man. I mean, he's just a special dude. He, you know, I, I rolled up to, to Sleepy Hollow High School as a sophomore. I was at a, at a Catholic school and that didn't last very long. 
Um, and when I got there, I, I instantly connected to football. I mean, I grew up with everyone in town, so I knew everyone. So I went and played football with everybody and didn't have a, a much a relationship with him. I walked up to the fields when I knew that I was going to public school and uh, I was watching them do like their summer workouts two a days. And he like walked over the fence and said, who are you? And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to be here. And he was like, no, it's all good. Come over. I'm, I'm Tompkins. And like from there, it kind of, you know, it built. Uh, and, and I had no idea what that relationship was going to turn into because I was very much at that point in my life a kid who could have just turned around and walked away. Um, but, you know, fast forward three years later, uh, and I'm a, I'm a senior in high school, and he had taken me on to the wrestling team um, that, that sophomore year, that first year I went to public school. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, but the things you learn um, in sports um, is, is unbelievable, and specifically in wrestling – you know, he, uh, there, I mean, there's so many lessons that I can go to, but the thing for me that's special is actually not so much a lesson. It's just how he lived his life, which is, you know, I come from a place that's 60% Hispanic, right? Um, and, and he went to our high school and he's so proud of that fact. And he brought his kids to our high school after, and they, they commuted from the next town over because they could do that. Right. Um, but I ended up, I ended up actually living in his house after, after college with my now wife because we didn't have a place to go, right? Like that, that's like fucking special. Yeah, talking you know? about <laughs> having each other's backs and, and really investing, opening your doors up, man. I mean, he was the first person I can remember who like um, said to us as a team, you know, that there are priorities, and sports is actually not a priority, right? Your priority is, is God, then family, then school, and then sports. Um, and it was... Uh, Did that change your perspective from what you originally were it thinking? Didn't, it didn't in the moment because I didn't get it. Okay. I yeah. didn't get it. It took, me, it took me two or three years to get it. Um, and then finally I did, but you know, you only get something like that when you see how somebody lives. Right. Um, and he, I think he lived like he lived those values. He would, if I called him right now that I needed him to come down to Houston, he fucking hates flying. He would get on a plane to come here for me. I'm confident in that. Right. And he's like a 70 year old dude. Now <laughs> he doesn't have to be doing that. You well, know? I think you always use that analogy, or at least I do of, you know, who do you trust to go pick up your mom at the airport at 2 a.m. on any given day of the week? Yeah. yeah. And that's how you got to um, – I don't want to say you have to use that litmus test for every person that you run into because you're just going to be like – High risk, high reward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do feel like those people that obviously stick in your mind are the ones that are going to be there. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, he, he's, a he's an Irish Italian dude. Um, and he, he learned Spanish and he would coach us in Spanish and we had dudes who wow. didn't speak English and he would figure out enough words to coach a dude and make him understand that he's a part of something bigger than himself. Right. And I feel like for me at the time, there were no higher stakes 
than being on the high school wrestling team, right? Like, and I, I, I was fortunate enough that I was on a wrestling team with dudes, like yeah. guys that are my best friends still today who I continue to learn amazing lessons from, right? But I remember feeling like the ultimate, uh, the ultimate test of not letting somebody down was being by yourself on a mat against another dude and it's on you, right? Like you can't let the other guys down and it, there's no opportunity to shy away from it, right? And I feel like that was the, I, I don't know how, how best to describe it, but like that is like to me the ultimate experience in like not letting somebody down because there's only two outcomes. At least there were in my mind, right? There were only two outcomes. I let you down or I don't. Right. <laughs> which was, which is pretty wild. But, you know, going back to, to Tompkins, you know, you talk about a special dude, man. I mean, uh, from, from those lessons that he taught us in the wrestling room, but, you know, taking me into his home, I learned way more uh, in that year that I lived with him than I did in the previous four years of, of uh, or three years of him coaching me. But, you know, there's not enough you can say about um, the opportunity you have as a coach to impact somebody's life. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, he's a perfect example of how, you know, you talk about once you're coached by a guy, he's always your coach. Um, and that's taking it to a whole nother level by letting him move in with you, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I, I do feel that way that, you know, Joe Berman will always be Coach Ehrman to me, you know. Um, Coach Mead will always be Coach Mead, right? Um, so I think – and, and if, it's awkward to say anything other than that. Yeah, I was just thinking that, like, I've never – I don't think I've ever said Brian. You know, it's first thing <laughs> Brian. I'm like, that is so creepy to me. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, and it's not, you know, I, I always found it – weird when assistant coaches that I played for would call coach Mead, coach Mead. Yeah. Like why wouldn't their, their colleagues, why wouldn't they say, you know, Hey Richie or Hey, you know, whatever. And it just, I, and I get it. Like I, yeah. I worked for the guy, right. I worked for him after I played for him. Uh, I would never, say, you know, I would never do that. Um, so it's interesting that you always, those coaches that really are, are, are mainstays in your brain and your leadership philosophy are always coach. Yeah. Um, and that's I, mean, every- I, I think like we're, we're fortunate enough to have those experiences, you know, early. Yeah. Right? I mean, I was, 15 when I met Tompkins. Four, four yeah. And, and just think about how formative those years are. And I, and I, you know, I've talked about it with you of, you know, I felt like when I coached college, I was, uh, did most of my work was, was breaking the bad habits. Once I got finished with those, the season was over or they were graduated. One of the two. Um, <laughs> where in high school, and I think this this is part of the development process of um, they're so malleable in a sense at, at at a younger age that 
you can have those better influences to then the outcome can be so much greater. So then in high school, you, you can build those good habits and you can shed the bad habits, but build the good ones. Um, so that, that really, I look back on, you know, people ask me all the time, do you miss college? Do you miss uh, that level? And sure, I'd be lying if I uh, didn't miss that just from the competitiveness and the, you know, the, the, the grind, so to speak. I didn't look at it that way, but, you know, of, of it's, it's consumes you. But at the same time, I feel like the, what I'm able to impart on, on high school kids is so much better and going to be so much more valuable um, in, in later on for them. I know it was for me and it sounds like it was from you or for you from, from, from your wrestling coach. Yeah, man. I mean, that to me, that's, I've told you this a million times. Like I don't, but I don't think that I am like this great lacrosse coach. Right. But what I will tell you though, is that, I I do think that I'm a great like human being coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I give a shit about is like these dudes will uh if I don't text them in a few days, like they'll text me to check in on me. Yeah. Right? And I'm like I I've, I've won. It nothing else matters, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like when dudes are checking in on you, you've won. Absolutely. Right? And and to me like that's those are some of the things, right? Like I I you know I, I invited two of the guys to shadow me at work for a day. Right. And like the email that I got after thanking me was like, it really punches you in the throat. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, just reminded how important this relationship is. Yeah. And, and just the, the level um, of impact and and it could be minor too. That's that's the really that's the tough part, but the great part at the same time. Because if you overstep or or do something incorrect, it can have such a um, shattering influence on the kid. But on the flip side of that, if you get it right, and the hope is you get it more right than wrong, the, the impact that you can have is uh is immeasurable on, on on a kid yeah i also think from a coaching perspective since both of our uh our influences or at least the first influence we shared were coaches um although we both picked head coaches i do think it is an interesting dynamic to think and i i come from like a customer service background professionally so to me i think like everyone has a different person Right. So some people don't need to talk to the head coach. Right. And there's not enough bandwidth for a head coach to have that relationship with every single person on the team. But that's why, you know, we talk so much about surrounding ourselves with the right people, i.e. coaching staff. Right. That we have the ability to truly impact 60 guys, you know, 60 high school players, because we have an army of coaches that, I trust is going to say the right thing, do the right thing, have the right reaction, regardless of who, who the guy is, right. Or the circumstance. Right. And I think, you know, that's part of, of being a good leader 
Um, and then, you know, probably the, the step below that is being a good coach is surrounding yourself with good assistant coaches. So being a good leader, you got to surround yourself with people that um, you trust and that are going to do the right thing more often than not. Um, and I think that carry, there's a carryover there. And I think you're only as successful as your people. Um, and I, I, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, my dad has um, had his own law firm for 35 years. So basically since I was born, um, he's had his own law firm. Uh, I think the unique part to him. I'm just doing the quick math. 30. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, you, you, you went there. Um, so, uh, he, uh, I think the most impressive thing for me looking at my dad, he's been very successful in his practice. Um, but I think for me that I've noticed is that some of the women that babysat me as a young kid still work for my father. And, um, and I think now I realize much more that it wasn't just because he was paying them well, um, which I think he was, and I don't know that, you know, any of that stuff, but I think that the way that he treated them as human beings, he made sure they were good, made sure he took care of their families. He made sure that they were compensated correctly, made sure that they had a, you know, a, a wonderful, um, work environment. I don't think you see that often enough anymore. Um, and I think, you know, again, you've got to surround yourself with people that um, you trust. And I, my father would be the first one to tell you that he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I think he is a very good people person. And I think people want to work for him because he cares about them and he loves them and he brings them in, you know, like they're his own family. Um, so again, you ask me now I'm thinking more, you know, coach German, my dad for the, you know, for sure. Um, and you know, I didn't realize it as a kid, but, um, just the care that he has. And, you know, you see from, from a, from a standpoint of, you know, a lot of those people that work for my dad, he's looking to retire now. I think they're going to be out of there once he leaves because of, yeah. Of who he is. You know? It's a, it's a co-retirement. Everyone's yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, I think surrounding yourself with the right people um, only can help you. And if you're fortunate to find the right people that you can trust and then you invest back in them, the, the, the potential for growth is so much more than feeling like you got to put it all on yourself or I'm the leader. I got to do everything. That's, that's a really poor approach and that's going to that's set yourself up for failure. Yeah. I wonder like, what's the right, I don't know the right way to ask the question, but ultimately it's like, there are a lot of leaders who might find success doing it all themselves because they want the outcomes. Um, I wonder what longevity looks like in working for that person, right? The turnover's got to be high, I would imagine. <laughs> if it's about you, I don't know if I'm sticking around, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see, you know, if you're successful, 
people want to hook on and and feel like they can ride your coattails and 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 capitalize on that but boy that would be a shitty existence wouldn't it or shitty way of going about yeah you know well i think that that makes me think of the you know to the stuff that you shared like that's very transactional right like i'm i'm gonna be the best leader but i'm you're not really playing a role here or what can i get out of you as the leader right always looking okay what can i get out of him what can i get out of him um and that's that's tough because once you use up that whatever you know that transaction is what do you do with that person yeah they're they're done right so and then on, on the flip side of that it's like i put everything i can into that leader and followed you and now you're just kicking me to the curb because i you think i have nothing left to give yeah well i mean if you i think it's it's so easy to equate this back to coaching number one i think that's you know where your coach wrote it for but number two that's like where my mind is at it's like that's um to some degree and to your point before there are some college coaches that can have that transactional approach because they only got to have a kid for four years and then basketball one year yeah i mean you look at it from a basketball perspective forget about it that's got to be and that's why i give you know granted it's coach k and 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 you know, those guys are, are at a whole different That's a level. whole other, yeah, I can't even, yeah. Um, you know, the Calipari's of the world. And, and whether you like them, whether you think they're great or whether you think they're sleazebags, car salesmen, whatever they are, uh, somehow they get kids to invest in, in a year. And they get everything they can out of them. But you see time and time again, those guys reference the impact that they had not just from a basketball standpoint, but from a, a, a young person standpoint of, of maturing and growing and specifically coach, you know, Krzyzewski, you hear it more often than not. Um, and the a small window of time. Yeah. Yeah. That they, they keep. So I, you know, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, can you imagine being, having the kids that we have and being one and done with them? I'd be rattled every single year. Yeah, every single year. But they I would just shave my head. I wouldn't wait for it to fall out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how they do it. So you got to give those guys credit because not only is the kid in a tough spot, but just biding their time to get to the NBA, but at the same time, the coach of really investing in them because they, they know they can only go so far if they don't have the team chemistry, they don't have the, the personalities and the leadership aspect they're not going to get very far. Well, the crazy part is like, there's not even a finish line for those guys because like, let's say you get knocked out in the playoffs. The next day, those dudes are recruiting. Because they they know they're like, Oh, starting from scratch. Here we go. Clean slate. (laughs) For the most part. I mean, that's why you got to give, I forget the guy from Virginia. I'm missing his name right now, but you know, they went out, what was that? Two or three years ago, they get knocked out first one to get knocked out by 16 then returns and comes back and wins a national championship with, with a lot of five year or four year guys, right? Three, four year guys. That's a really good one. Cause they're like, you want to talk about buy-in. He got all those dudes to come back. Yeah. Well, come back, but, but 
but use that as not, you know, the, the shelf could have fallen off of the program after that. <laughs> yes. But to, to, to have those boys come back and, 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 and regroup, commit to each other and, and go through that journey. I mean, you're talking what close to, you know, 35, 40 games in a season. Um, that guy, I mean, he's like a magician as a leader and, and I don't want to belittle him by saying he's a magician because obviously he does it the right way. And, you know, they're consistently very good. And, um, from everything I've read, the kids love them. So, um, but talk about, uh, that investment piece is at a whole nother level. Yeah. He's got something figured out. All right, man. Well, this is, uh, I think this is a good place to start wrapping it because I do think that over time, I, we're going to be sharing a lot. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to get somebody on the call next time with us. Uh, and, and I think what we should do uh, if you're down is maybe we'll just popcorn it. Like I'll invite somebody, then you'll invite somebody. And, yeah. and like, it'll just be a, like a three-way conversation. So I think it'll be cool to have like one of us will have the context on the person that we invite and the other one will have shit. <laughs> like we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go we from can... there. <laughs> right. I, I love that idea. I think it'll be unique. And I think if we, if we get uh, different types of leaders, um, meaning from, from what their philosophy is to what their background to their, um, to their current employment, um, I think will be unique uh, to be able to, to, to dissect that a bit and boil it down. And, and I think the funny part will be that, we're not going to be that far off. I have a feeling that it's all going to boil down to a few just like, you know, cornerstones, right? Like got to be a good human, you know, got to trust people, you know, you got to believe in, you know, one thing. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to boil down to, but you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a laundry list. Yeah. But I'm excited because I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, I'll learn something. You know, I, I learned something t- tonight about <clears throat> your wrestling coach and the impact that he had on, you know, I've heard snippets of it, but not the full story. So um, I'm excited to hear those those spots and those parts that, you know, potentially we could bring into how we do business. Yeah. And I, I think um, vice versa, I think it's sick because, you know, the first thing I heard about you was, well, he's he's from Navy. So you think, wow, that had to have a huge impact on his leadership. And you're like, my high school football coach, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. So, um, so I'm, I'm fired up. Uh, we will uh, we'll go from here. And I think what we should do is, like, try to get a recording uh, once a week. We'll try Love to get it. somebody on. And um, we'll, we'll just hammer somebody with questions until we get to a place where they're sick of us. And we'll do it again the following week. I love it. I'm in. All right. Fired up. Lucky to lead. Lucky to lead. Let's do it.